charisma is something that's in short supply nowadays and is something that has definitely differentiated people in the workplace. And I think it is something that you can definitely learn and definitely should be accountable for like, oh, I couldn't be like that. I'm like, okay, try harder. My name is Dimitri and I'm a productivity and systems enthusiast. I'm Chance. I'm a philosophy and self-development enthusiast. And you're listening to the Rise Productive Podcast. The show where productivity meets business. And what it means to build better systems. Enjoy the show. If you're listening to this, you are not on our private subscriber feed and you will only be hearing a portion of this episode. If you'd like to listen to the full length episode, you'll need to go to riseproductive.com membership or sign up on your favorite podcasting app for exclusive access. From there, you'll also get access to our exclusive newsletter, the weekly pour over, our private members only Discord community, and any other subscriber only content. So if you enjoy what we are doing here, please consider becoming a member. You ever seen the thing from ESPN where the guy Boomer ends up going through like the clips and he's like, oh, 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 he does like the whole like announcing of all the fun highlights from all the games. It's like Boomer's quick hits. Oh, yeah, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the one for this week for us would be. And Kadarius Tony drops the third pass of the game for a pick six and Joe Burrow gets sacked. Well, the man is doing basketball moves between the legs. And the Raiders won against the Broncos. Is probably the worst part of the week for me. I know we talked about beforehand. Oh, the Chiefs lost, the Bengals lost, but the Raiders won. Okay, this is the worst part. All right, the Raiders have the lead in the AFC West. Did everybody else lose? Yeah, the the Chargers lost to the um, Dolphins. Chiefs lost, and the Broncos lost to the Raiders. So that's. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so a team that's probably going to finish with four wins. You say that now, you know. though. Well, on top I mean, soon. Yeah, uh huh. You know, don't let that make you forget that Nathaniel Hackett has still only averaged 16 points per game as an offensive coordinator. Shout out Aaron Rodgers. Hope your Achilles recovers. Um, yeah, it was a weird week. Um, I know you and I have both had Achilles injuries. We haven't torn anything, but that was not fun to watch. Uh, it was really, I felt bad for the guy. You feel bad for the guy. I do, but you got to think it's a sign. They were saying either he's going to take it as oh, all these people are going to say, I'm not going to come back. I'm going to come back. Or he's going to be like, yeah, sign from God, you know, kind of time to pack it in. Yeah. Yeah. This is a part of his memoir where he's like, and in that moment, I realized I'm done with football. Like this would be a storybook moment if he just stepped away. So you see the clip of like how he stood up and attempted to walk, and then like it was so awkward for about four and a half seconds. It felt like ten, felt like fifteen, where he just like was staring, and then he like let himself fall. Ugh. No. Like because he was like, yeah, I should not be standing. It was so. Yeah, he's just like he gets up, and then he goes. He gives like a "this can't be happening to me right now" look. Yeah, we've all had that. Like, you know when a guy wipes out at a track meet and then they DNF? Mm-hmm. They, like, make that decision to not keep running. They're like, oh, they step it's off the like, track. I'm in pain, but it's also, this is so frustrating. Like, seriously? Yeah, like, seriously, this just freaking happened. Uh, um, he made that look, and then he let himself fall back on the ground and keep his legs up because he's like, yeah, I should not be walking on this. Yeah, Sucks, love him or hate dude. him. That's tough to see. But, um, yeah, glad football's back, though. Yeah, we got positives. 
We had uh, Brock Purdy looking like the second coming of Tom Brady, seventh round. Mr. Irrelevant, my ass. Um, Dangerous Wilson is still not that. Um, We got Tua looks like he doesn't have concussions anymore. God bless. Um, I hope that jujitsu help uh, that jujitsu is helping him out. Uh, The Cowboys beat. Saquon Barkley and a bag of chips by 40 points. Oh my God. That was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. I mean, granted they have our, they have one of our uh, good buddies playing quarterback for them. So like, what do you expect? (laughs) (laughs) One of our friends really looks like Daniel Jones when he got drafted and it was like, seemed like a dumb pick by the giants. Cause like Daniel Jones was projected to go in the second round. We were like, (laughs) they drafted you. (laughs) Yeah, it worked out last year, so we'll see how that doesn't work out this year. But well, yeah, can't pay an accountant 150 million bucks to play quarterback. It doesn't usually go well. That's so true. That's so true. Anyways, yeah, it was fun. Um, not fun for you or for me, uh, but it was fun for the league. I'm just grateful that we got footballs back. And um, there were some amazing plays though this week. You see that catch by Garrett Wilson? No. I haven't seen a lot so, of highlights, man. I pretty much watched the Bengals game and turned it off. That's that's just Oh, so you watched uh a man who really likes massage therapists beat down your team. It was so funny to me. Um there was a they're talking about during the game how all the Browns players are sporting this uh this old Browns player on their like his number on their jerseys now is like a little patch and the Mm. whoever was commentating the game was like yeah you know this guy had kind of a you know mixed history with definitely some um some bad behavior towards women but uh, a good player i was like deshaun watson's first year on the browns and we're now memorializing this guy with a mixed history of women who was a good player oh this is so interesting how we're kind of leveraging this right now but What's up with that logo, huh? They're the elves now. Do you see the thing Jamar Chase said? Uh, yeah, he's mad that they lost because they're a bunch of elves. Yeah. <laughs> he's that like, I called them a bunch of elves, and then we just lost a bunch of elves. He is funny. I give him credit. He he backs it up. He talks smack. He doesn't play bad. He's a, he's one of those players who are like, yeah, he may, he may talk a lot of crap, but like he's, he's going to drop eight catches, 120 yards, and two tutties. And you're like, all right, well, okay. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, what are you, can't do anything about it. Tyreek Hill um, was sorely missed um, by the Chiefs this year, more so than last. He had 221 yards receiving. And um, even though he, like, physically assaulted somebody, allegedly, don't sue me, Brett, shout out Brett Favre, uh, allegedly, there's a clip of him, like, pimp slapping someone this summer. Oh, okay. Like, he still is playing in the league. You know, he keeps hitting people and nothing happens. Um, or allegedly. (laughs) I do miss him though. He was good. Yeah. Chiefs love those players that hit women. Hey, 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 don't, uh, hey, I know. Don't mix it. Don't mix it. I know. I know. (laughs) Hey, hey, Kareem Hunt got called the N word. That's right. That's true. That doesn't, don't sue me. Shout out, bro. (laughs) All right. Um, what, what, what are we talking we about talking? today? <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about... 
Uh, I'm off the rails. Um, today we're going to talk about accountability and how if what I just said ever comes back to bite me, it is nobody else's fault except for my own. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about a little accountability, a little charisma, did a little, little double action. Uh, we, we were both inspired from some different pieces of content. We love to talk about content. And um, how do we want to tackle this? Where do we want to start? We can start with accountability. And then we'll work our way into a separate topic about charisma and how that can help leverage your lifestyle, but also your business. Speaking from- and maybe get you get you out of uh, some precarious situations, like uh, you know, you just charismatic people like you get you get away with stuff more, like allegedly. Tyreek Hill. Um, okay. So- I thought you were making like a Dungeons and Dragons reference. Charisma is a big thing. You can like roll for. Oh, yeah. He didn't invite me to that. I still haven't started. Still haven't started my campaign. Yeah, I guess whose fault that is. 100% mine. It's because I'm running a marathon. Wow. So I decided I would do my free time instead. (laughs) (laughs) I'm having so much fun. No, but let's jump into accountability. This is kind of more so your topic, so I'll let you um, serve it my way. Mm. Mm. Okay, follow it up. Yeah, so there was a... It's it's a mixture of stoic thinking along with what Alex Ramosi has been talking about in a lot of content recently, which is pretty logical string of thoughts, which is like, A, do you have extenuous circumstances? Yes. Okay, say, for example, there's something that's happening to you but B, doesn't that mean everybody else has extenuating circumstances? Yes. So then C would be, um, doesn't that mean that the only thing that you could change is your own action? And it, it just it was a nice thought starter for for just business and life. And I think this is a good conversation and topic for a lot of people because it did make me think about this. And I actually think we lack maybe this is a hot take, I think from a day-to-day standpoint, we actually have an accountability problem as a society. Uh, I I do believe that most people like to chalk up the negative things happening in their lives to others. And I'm not necessarily sure that's a good thing, you know? I agree. Yeah. I had to look up extenuous. Sorry. Extenuating is tending or serving to reduce the severity of guilt or blameworthiness. So you're saying everybody has circumstances where we look at it and it's like reduce the blame of ourselves and maybe this is reducing blame of like procrastination or you're saying like it seems like accountability in general, but like we have different kinds of suffering that we're saying like. If I hear one more person make an excuse about the recession when it's like, oh, X happened. Well, I can't do this because the recession like, well, are you like this is just right. Not trying to bash. No, I just this, want to get definitions. Definition would be that somebody's sounding like they're outside my door, but they're not. Definition would be accountability is you take ownership over the results or the cur- uh, results, maybe not, uh, of the current life situation that you're in. 
irrespective of the extenuating circumstances that exist. Okay. I.e., if we are in a recession, but you're not making X amount of money, we're in a recession, but you couldn't take a vacation because you couldn't afford it. Like, how much is it the recession's fault? How much is it that you made decisions so that it was not possible for you to take that vacation? Like, that's... And uh, the, the, the point being, the recession existing is fact the only thing that can change then is the things that you do on a daily basis in order to make it so that you still have the outcome that you would like in your life gotcha i think i just got tripped up on extenuating but it's, it's you're kind of saying that everyone has potential extenuating circumstances because extenuating circumstances are just things where we can point to it and say oh you know like I'm actually not at fault here. What is at fault is X. Yeah. This thing outside of me. So we all have these potential extenuating circumstances and it is our choice to say, okay, well, actually, no, I'm not going to blame that. I'm going to blame me or, you know, I'm not going to blame anybody. I'm just going to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like this. Um, I mean, this is a big Alex Hermosiasm, I feel like, is he is purposely intense and we've talked about this. Because he wants to shake people out of this kind of numbness that there are things that are just outside of your control. Things that like, you know, you keep pointing to the extenuating circumstances ad nauseum and then you're never going to get there. Um, This is like, it's like circling within an action. Um, I think it's another way of packaging a similar idea. It's just, um, you're just, keep telling yourself that there's something, you know, once this next thing happens, then it'll be the right time to do the thing. Or, but I guess that's more so with jumping onto something. Whereas, like, there can even be smaller goals that you have. Like you said, like trying to go on vacation. Like, yeah. There's no right moment for going on vacation. But if there's a recession, the first thing you need to start doing is prioritizing how you're going to spend your money, ideally saving it a lot more. And so it'd be about, like, you know, like cooking lunch, you know packing your lunch instead of eating out or like i don't know not making a big purchase when you think that the big purchase is going to be the vacation so yeah and and i think where a lot of the the hormonesism comes from is i actually heard this on a fly on the wall thing before but someone in their early 30s 32 was making this point that essentially he saw in the workplace that he was struggling to start out at these entry-level roles because they seemed to hold them for a lot of people who are coming out of college and they seemed to be focused on people who are coming out of college. And he was blaming the system about being like that. And I'm like, is it the system's fault that you're still looking for entry-level jobs at 32 when you have a master's degree and you graduated eight years ago? Or is it your fault? You know, like I didn't poke in because that would have been weird. But I was like, it doesn't seem like the system's fault. It kind of seems like you made a bunch of compounding life decisions so that you somehow are still looking for entry-level positions at 32 years old. Almost seems like you lack the accountability here. That's like a great example of this. Like, I heard that in public and was baffled. I'm like, what the? I'm just trying to eat. I'm just trying to work at this coffee shop. What the? What did you just say? (laughs) And also just lacking the, the perspective or empathy of the company which is like 
we want somebody who could actually be here for a lifetime, not, you know, a lifetime minus eight to 10 years. Like, what, 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 In what world do you think uh, a hiring manager is going to go and be like, struggled to keep a job, failed to do something with his degree and be like, so the whole, the whole point of getting a degree is what? It proves to an employer you're able to stick something out for four years. That goodwill decreases the longer you're out of college and haven't been able to like move up in your career. Like if you job hop but are still an associate or like entry level roles, then the goodwill of the degree goes away. Like I don't understand how that's so hard for people to understand. Like the point of the degree is not like I have knowledge. The point of the degree is I can stick something out. And then you lose that goodwill if you job hop and don't move up. Yeah, exactly. It's like how your high school diploma was good for applying for undergraduate. And undergraduate degrees are great for your first job. But when you're applying for the third or fourth job, you know, hopefully you're not doing that in any kind of short time span. But if eventually down the line, they don't care that you have the, the degree. Yeah, like you said, they want to see that you stuck the next thing out, which is the entry level job. You just got to keep upgrading levels. And it's like, it doesn't matter if you pass level three. We're on level 10 now, kid. It's like the kid who plays COD all the all day, every day, but is like a 0.8 KD. Like no one's going to want to party with it, like being <laughs> a party with that guy. Like you just put it into real life circumstances and it makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Like you have your friend that always when he drinks, he drinks too much and he ends up getting into a bar fight. Like you're going to not want to hang out with him. It's almost like it's not the bar's fault for you getting kicked out or like it's not your friend's fault for not wanting to hang out with you. It's almost like you have a, you can't control yourself. <laughs> but this is this is like what I'm trying to approach it from. I have heard at nauseum people blame the entity rather than the like the compounding actions that have led up to the current life situation. Because I, I was telling a friend this, I'm like, I think people get screwed in the moment but it's about what you do after you get screwed in the moment that ends up shaping how your life turns out. Yeah, this is actually really topical for me right now. I started, I, I rented from the public library because I decided I need to find some kind of way to create some artificial deadline for myself to read books more often. So I started, I got a library card and um, I'm reading Can't Hurt Me, David Goggins. Um, oh yeah oh yeah and one of the first challenges he, he's like i was 385 pounds and my dad beat me sorry. yeah it's exactly like opening line of the book it's insane sorry yeah um what was it about to say? so as he, as he goes through his memoir there's these different challenges of like journaling things you do and it kind of aligns pretty well with like the different chapters that you're reading as he's moving through his journey and um he goes to his whole childhood and then the, I think it was like the first or second journaling challenge is like, just put out on a giant list, everything that you're carrying. Like, what are the things, what did he call it? Like, um, the bag, like the bad hand, like you're playing cards. Like what was the bad hand that you were dealt growing up? And like everything that's happened to you up until now, because it's okay to recognize that bad things have happened to you. You're sure. born into mm -hmm. shit situations or, you know, unfortunate things happen that are outside of your control. Or maybe you even made mistakes with things that were inside of your control and they've compounded and snowballed and, you know, made you into a worse person. But that's in the past. You can put that down as a bad hand. But as soon as you got everything down, you got to be like, okay, well, that's it. There's no more of this like, I'm going to let this thing keep living and ruining my life. 
sure it can play a part and it's like it's a process to dig out of that hole of that bad hand that you were dealt but i think people get a little too lost in the whole idea of like yeah you know it's like the system because obviously it's the system but the system is also wearing us all down and so what are we going to do are we as a collective all just going to get worn down by this or are we going to actually do something about it to better our lives we don't live in a meritocracy is the way i think about it we live in a society though where there are sub meritocracies and what i mean by that is a lot of people are getting screwed by the same thing now we can make the argument about obviously the rich getting richer the poor getting poorer but i'm saying the people in those sub segments that are relatively similar from like a how they got screwed standpoint those people then all made different choices about how to react to getting screwed yeah yeah i agree with that so i'm like the rich people got screwed the least the rich white the you could say rich the the rich old whites if you want to like quantify it classify it mm-hmm. and then like it gets worse and worse and worse but then in those sub segments like middle class a lot of people have similar issues there like okay it is difficult maybe to get a job out of college but like you manage to never hear the people who end up doing okay in their career but didn't have an insane gpa or insane connections and stuff they end up just not complaining about it because they end up reacting to the situation rather than complaining about it. Like if I hear one more person that I went to school with being like, Oh, it's hard to get a job. I'm like, hey, uh, yeah, you aren't trying, you know, like it's like my, that's what I mean. Like we went to Loyola. It was a good school. If you don't have a job and it's in a business degree or something that's, you know, in demand, maybe your fault. Yeah. Like, I hear what you're saying. We all have battles within our own, like, class or within our own, like... Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because I'm trying to make that clear because I do not want to miss the fact that the battles I deal with are much less of a problem than the battles of those who grew up in a very impoverished area with a lot of socioeconomic and political factors weighing them down even more so. But even in the lowest tier of, like, I am getting screwed over a lot, by like food deserts, single parent household, all these cards are stacked against them, like what David Goggins said. There are people in those circumstances who still have gotten out of it. And I, I am only doing it to highlight the fact that irrespective of the situation, the only solution is your action. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just about that accountability. And it's just interesting how a lot of people, I don't know, like they're, it's great that people can point to systemic issues because that is a big part of the discussion that was missing for a long time. Like I think our parents' generation and even sometimes like, I don't know, I guess we're, I mean, you're more of a millennial than I am, but even the millennials that I know Uh in law school, people a few years older than you, Mm -hmm. there's a few of them who are like very much on the side of like, Oh, it's just by how hard you work. And it was missing from the dialogue that we're starting at different places. And like, you know, it's not just a meritocracy like we've just established. We live in a system that, you know, gives people different starting places. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like, and this isn't, you know, this is a sweeping statement. And I want to hedge it with the fact that some people don't think this way. But there are some people who have gone the completely opposite direction and just said, 
It is just a systemic evils, and there's nothing that I can do. And it's, yeah. we have to be able to craft that balance between... I mean, it's the same thing. It's like the, it's the most basic thing of stoicism, but is the lesson that you have to continue getting better at and relearning is figuring out what's in your control and what is outside of your control. Mm. Like I had an epiphany in the shower the other day where I was like, I realized I'm really good at figuring out what's within my control because I'm a huge self-critic and I can be like, oh yeah, like this is on me. This is on my ass because I messed up, but I have a hard time getting things off my shoulders and telling myself that, yeah, maybe that was outside of my control. But in the same sense, I think we have to find this balance of like accountability and just recognizing outside evils that you can't fix. But there's just people who are on both ends of that spectrum and not enough people sitting in the middle who are like, yeah, you know, there's things that are affecting me, but I'm making the most of the situation. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. And it's a good epiphany you had. Like, I was telling my friend this as I was having this kind of conversation. Like, and I don't remember if I told you, like, Loyola screwed me out of $12,000. Yeah. With the whole, right? But did I still make the decision to then go back to school? Yeah. Like, that was on me. Like, I made that decision. I did not have to. I could have just went to work. Like, that. that is real. You're able to acknowledge the fact that they, in fact, skirted the truth and then changed a rule when I pointed out that their their logic was flawed and how I was not getting at least getting paid the money for housing. So then I had to pay for housing. And that was where my, my student loan debt comes from. But either I can A, bitch and moan about it, or B, do something about it in order for me to not have the debt and then make it so that it was like a blip in life. That is yeah. what I think is, is interesting though. Because I, I do think people will go years of, of victimhood about situations that can be solved by like three months of effort yeah and i talked about this with you when we hung out last week and ended up not recording a podcast because we were just talking for so long but mm -hmm. no but victimhood feels so good man that's another thing that i've learned in the yeah, past couple does. weeks is like it's it's a metaphorically a strong drug because um it just makes you feel so good because you can relinquish yourself of any blame you can point the finger at someone else you can feel sad and you have complete license to feel sad and upset it's not like a situation where you're sad because you let yourself down it's like no the world lets you down and there's you know just something wrong with the world where you don't fit in and you're fine it feels so good and i think we all live in our own little victimhoods whether we see those or not, whether it be like your family upbringing or something in your current circumstances, I think we all point the finger at something and say that, you know, life is messing me up in a certain type of way. And I'm sure there's truth to that. But to sit there and romanticize it just doesn't serve anyone. If anything, you're creating a bigger boogeyman than there really is in, you know, in real life. And instead of fixing that issue in any type of way, again, you're swirling in inaction, thinking about how big of a thing this is without actually problem solving for it. 100%. I, I think that's a very good point. And it's, it's, it, it is hard. Like, this is not an easy thing. I think it's, it's fair to point out that 
it's okay to feel that way. Like, but you then have to like move on. And I don't mean move on in the sense that you can't, you can allow yourself to not emotionally move on that much while also in the same breath, move on from an action standpoint, like to pull the knee card, right? Apparently I have a split kneecap. It can never be fixed. If I would have been told that at the beginning of my running career, I th think I would have played the victim card a lot through college. I do. Like, I actually kind of think it was a good thing I found out later. Yeah. You know, like I would have been like, I don't know if I can run in college, uh, like my knee. And yes, it hurt all the time when I ran and I just kind of sucked it up. But I think it's a decent example of how like now, does that mean I'm going to like say, oh, I can't do this. Oh, I can't do that. I'd hope not because I already did a whole college running career. Like if it was really that bad prior to me knowing you wouldn't, I wouldn't have done what I did. So I think this happens, uh, whether people get a diagnosis that isn't like a terminally ill standpoint, I don't want to pull that one. That's obviously like, if you get a you get stage four cancer, like, yep, be a victim. <laughs> I, obviously I can't <laughs> like, well, yeah. Well, yeah, stage four leukemia, like, sorry about it. Yeah. That's awful. Horrible. But in a lot of circumstances, you do not have cancer. But like, I know someone I went to high school with who's a year younger than me. Just found out, crazy story. They have stage four leukemia. They're trying to freeze their eggs just in case. Because if she, they, she does live, she'll become infertile. Like, that's awful. This is like just the worst news I heard of the week. I'm like, yeah, Aaron Rodgers towards Achilles. Where? Girl, I know. unlikely survival rate putting it nicely sad it's really crazy to me that rice productive is almost at its three-year anniversary over the years we've shared with you so much free content on how to improve your efficiencies operations and intentionality across multiple content platforms between the podcast, newsletter, and YouTube channel, we try to give you as much free value as possible. All that we ask in return for all this free knowledge sharing is that you give us a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform so that more entrepreneurs and those seeking more efficiency in their lives can find our content. These podcast reviews increase our rankings and help us reach more people who just like you just want to get more efficient. Thanks in advance. And now let's get back to the show. You ever seen the thing from ESPN where the guy Boomer ends up going through like the clips and he's like, oh, 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 he does like the whole like announcing of all the fun highlights from all the games. It's like Boomer's quick hits. Oh, yeah, he I've does seen it. that. Yeah. Yeah. Like the the one for this week for us would be. And Kadarius Tony drops the third pass of the game for a pick six and Joe Burrow gets sacked. Well, a man is doing basketball moves between the legs. And the Raiders won against the Broncos. It was probably the worst part of the week for me. I know we talked about beforehand, oh, the Chiefs lost, the Bengals lost, but the Raiders won. Okay, this is the worst part, all right? The Raiders have the lead in the AFC West. 
everybody else lose? Yeah, the the Chargers lost to the um, Dolphins, Chiefs lost, and the Broncos lost to the Raiders. So that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, so a team that's probably going to finish with four wins. You say that now, you know. though. Well, on top I mean, soon. Yeah. Uh huh. You know. Don't let that make you forget that Nathaniel Hackett is still only averaged 16 points per game as an offensive coordinator. Shout out Aaron Rodgers. Hope your Achilles recovers. Um, yeah, it was a weird week. Um, I know you and I have both had Achilles injuries. We haven't torn anything, but that was not fun to watch. Uh, it was really, I felt bad for the guy. You feel bad for the guy. I do, but you got to think it's a sign. They were saying either he's going to take it as all oh, these people are going to say, I'm not going to come back, I'm going to come back. Or he's going to be like, yeah, sign from God, you know. Kind of time to pack it in. Yeah. yeah, this is a part of his memoir where he's like, and in that moment, I realized I'm done with football. Like, this would be a storybook moment if he just stepped away. So. Did you see the clip of like how he stood up and attempted to walk? And then like, it was so awkward for about four and a half seconds. It felt like 10, felt like 15, where he just like was staring. And then he like let himself fall. Ugh. No. Like, cause he was like, yeah, I should not be standing. It was so, yeah, he's just like, he gets up and then he goes, he gives like a, this can't be happening to me right now look. Yeah. We've all had that. Like, you know, when a guy wipes out at a track meet and then they DNF, mm-hmm. they like make that decision to not keep running. They're like, oh, they step it's off the like, track. I'm in pain, but it's also, this is so frustrating. Like, seriously. Yeah, there. So this just freaking happened. Um, he made that look, and then he let himself fall back on the ground and keep his legs up because he's like, "Yeah, I should not be walking on this." Yeah, love Sucks, him or hate dude. him, that's tough to see. But uh, yeah, glad football's back though. Yeah, we got positives. We had uh, Brock Purdy looking like the second coming of Tom Brady, seventh round, Mister Irrelevant, my ass. Um, Dangerous Wilson is still not that. Um. We got Tua looks like he doesn't have concussions anymore. God bless. Um, I hope that jujitsu help uh, that jujitsu's uh, helping him out. Uh, the Cowboys beat Saquon Barkley in a bag of chips by forty points. Oh my god, that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. I mean, granted, they have our they have one of our uh, good buddies playing quarterback for them. So, like, what do you expect? <laughs> One of our friends really looks like Daniel Jones. Like he when really he got does. drafted and it was like seemed like a dumb pick by the Giants because like Daniel Jones was projected to go in the second round. We were like, <laughs> they drafted you. <laughs> yeah, it worked out last year, so we'll see how that doesn't work out this year. But well, yeah, can't pay an accountant 150 million bucks to play quarterback. It doesn't usually go well. That's so true. That's so true. Anyways, yeah, it was fun. Um, not fun for you or for me, uh, but it was fun for the league. I'm just grateful that we got football is back. And um, there were some amazing plays, though, this week. You see that catch by Garrett Wilson? No. I haven't seen a lot so, of highlights, man. I pretty much watched the Bengals game and turned it off. That's, that's just... Oh, so you watched uh, a man who really likes massage therapists beat down your team? It was so funny to me. Um, there was a, uh, they were talking about during the game how all the Browns players 
are sporting this uh this old Browns player on their like his number on their jerseys now is like a little patch and the mm. whoever was commentating the game was like yeah you know this guy had kind of a you know mixed history with definitely some um some bad behavior towards women but a uh, good player i was like Deshaun Watson's first year on the Browns and we're now memorializing this guy with a mixed history of women who was a good player wow this is so interesting yeah. how we're kind of leveraging this yeah. right now but <laughs> Yeah. What's up with that logo, huh? They the elves now. Do you see the thing Jamar Chase said? Uh, yeah, he's mad that they lost because they're a bunch of elves. Yeah, <laughs> he's that like, I called them a bunch of elves, and then we just lost to a bunch of elves. He is funny. I give him credit. He he backs it up. He talks smack. He doesn't play bad. He's a, he's one of those players who are like, yeah, he may he may talk a lot of crap, but like he's he's gonna drop eight catches, 120 yards, and two tutties, and you're like, all right, well, okay, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, what are you, can't do anything about it. Tyreek Hill um, was sorely missed um, by the Chiefs this year more so than last. He had 221 yards receiving, and um, even though he like physically assaulted somebody, allegedly, don't sue me, Brett, shout out Brett Favre, uh, allegedly, there's a clip of him like pimp slapping someone this summer, oh, okay. like he still is playing in the league, you know, he keeps hitting people and nothing happens. Um, or allegedly. He, I do miss him though. He was good. Yeah. Chiefs love those players that hit women. Hey, but end up hey, doing well, something nice. Hey, don't I? Uh, hey, I know. Don't mix, don't mix it. Don't mix it. I know. Hey, I know. <laughs> hey, hey. Cream Hunt got called the N word. That's true. right. That's true. That doesn't. Don't sue me. Shout out, bro. <laughs> All right. Um, what, what, what are we talking we about today? today? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm off the rails. Um, today we're going to talk about accountability and how if what I just said ever comes back to bite me, it is nobody else's fault except for my own. So, um, yeah, we're going to talk about a little accountability, a little charisma, did a little, little double action. Uh, we, we were both inspired from some different pieces of content. We love to talk about content, and um, how do we want to tackle this? Where do we want to start? We can start with accountability, and then we'll work our way into a separate topic about charisma and how that can help leverage your lifestyle, but also your business. Speaking from and maybe get you get you out of uh, some precarious situations, like uh, you know. You're just charismatic people like you get you get away with stuff more like allegedly Tyreek Hill. Um, okay. So, I thought you were making stop. like a Dungeons and Dragons reference. Charisma is a big thing. You can like roll for. Oh yeah, he didn't invite me to that. I still haven't started. Still haven't started my campaign. Yeah, I guess whose fault that is. Hundred percent mine. It's because yeah. I'm running a marathon. Wow. So I decided I would do my free time instead. <laughs> I'm having so much fun. No, but let's jump into accountability. This is kind of more so your topic, so I'll let you um, serve it my way. Mm. Mm. Okay, follow it up. Yeah, so there was a... It's, it's a mixture of stoic thinking along with what Alex Ramosi has been talking about in a lot of content recently, which is 
pretty logical string of thoughts, which is like, A, do you have extenuous circumstances? Yes. Okay, say for example, there's something that's happening to you. But B, doesn't that mean everybody else has extenuating circumstances? Yes. So then C would be, um, doesn't that mean that the only thing that you could change is your own action? And it, it just, it was a nice thought starter for, for just business and life. And I think this is a good conversation and topic for a lot of people because it did make me think about this. And I actually think we lack, maybe this is a hot take. I think from a day-to-day -day standpoint, we actually have an accountability problem as a society. Uh, I, do, I do believe that most people like to chalk up the negative things happening in their lives to others. And I'm not necessarily sure that's a good thing, you know? I agree. Yeah. I had to look up extenuous. Sorry. Extenuating is tending or serving to reduce the severity of guilt or blameworthiness. So you're saying everybody has circumstances where we look at it and it's like reduce the blame of ourselves. And maybe this is reducing blame of like procrastination or you're saying like, it seems like accountability in general, but like, we have different kinds okay. of suffering that we're saying like... If I hear one more person make an excuse about the recession, when it's like, oh, X happened, well, I can't do this because the recession, like, well, are you, like, this is just, right, just not trying to bash... No, I just this, want to get definitions. Definition would be that somebody's, sounding like they're outside my door, but they're not. Definition would be Accountability is you take ownership over the results or the current uh, results, maybe not, uh, of the current life situation that you are in, irrespective of the extenuating circumstances that exist. Okay. I.e., if we are in a recession, but you're not making X amount of money. We're in a recession, but you couldn't take a vacation because you couldn't afford it. Like, how much is it the recession's fault? How much is it that you made decisions so that it was not possible for you to take that vacation? Like, that's... And uh, the, the, the point being, the recession existing is fact. The only thing that can change then is the things that you do on a daily basis in order to make it so that you still have the outcome that you would like in your life. Gotcha. I think I just got tripped up on extenuating, but it's, it's, you're kind of saying that everyone has potential extenuating circumstances because extenuating circumstances are just things where we can point to it and say, Oh, you know, like I'm actually not at fault here. What is at fault is X. Yeah. This thing outside of me. So we all have these potential extenuating circumstances and it is our choice to say, okay, well, actually, no, I'm not going to blame that. I'm going to blame me or, you know, I'm not going to blame anybody. I'm just going to fix it. Mm. Um, yeah, I like this. Um, I mean, this is a big Alex Hormoseism, I feel like, is he is purposely intense and we've talked about this because he wants to shake people out of this kind of numbness that there are things that are just outside of your control, things that like, 
you know, you keep pointing to the extenuating circumstances ad nauseum and then you're never going to get there. Um, this is like, it's like circling within an action. Um, I think it's another way of packaging a similar idea is just, um, you're just keep telling yourself that there's something, you know, once this next thing happens, then it'll be the right time to do the thing. Or, but I guess that's more so with jumping onto something. Whereas like, there can even be smaller goals that you have. Like you said, like trying to go on vacation. Like, yeah. There's no right moment for going on vacation, but if there's a recession, the first thing you need to start doing is prioritizing how you're going to spend your money, ideally saving it a lot more. And so it'd be about like, you know, like cooking lunch, you know, packing your lunch instead of eating out or like, I don't know, not making a big purchase when you think that the big purchase is going to be the vacation. So. Yeah, and, and I think where a lot of the, the hormonesism comes from is I actually heard this on a fly-on-the-wall thing before, but someone in their early 30s, 32, was making this point that essentially he saw in the workplace that he was struggling to start out at these entry-level roles because they seemed to hold them for a lot of people who were coming out of college and they seemed to be focused on people who were coming out of college. And he was blaming the system about being like that. And I'm like, is it the system's fault that you're still looking for entry-level jobs at 32 when you have a master's degree and you graduated eight years ago? Or is it your fault? You know, like was, I didn't poke in because that would have been weird. But I was like, it doesn't seem like the system's fault. It kind of seems like you made a bunch of compounding life decisions so that you somehow are still looking for entry-level positions at 32 years old. Almost seems like you lack the accountability here. That's like a great example of this. Like I heard that in public and was baffled. I'm like, what the? I'm just trying just... to eat. I'm just trying to work at this coffee shop. What the? F what did you just say? <laughs> and also, just lacking the the perspective or empathy of the company, which is like, we want somebody who could actually be here for a lifetime, not you know a lifetime minus eight to ten years. Like, what? what, what in what world do you think uh, a hiring manager is going to go and be like? Struggled to keep job. Failed to do something with his degree and be like, so the whole, the whole point of getting a degree is what? It proves to an employer you're able to stick something out for four years. That goodwill decreases the longer you're out of college and haven't been able to like move up in your career. Like if you job hop, but are still an associate or like entry level roles, then the goodwill of the degree goes away. Like, I don't understand how that's so hard for people to understand. Like the point of the degree is not like, I have knowledge. The one of the degrees I can stick something out. And then you lose that goodwill if you job hop and don't move up. Yeah, exactly. It's like how your high school diploma was good for applying for undergraduate. And undergraduate degrees are great for your first job. But when you're applying for the third or fourth job, you know, hopefully you're not doing that in any kind of short time span. But if eventually down the line, they don't care that you have the, the degree. Yeah, like you said, they want to see that you stuck the next thing out, which is the entry-level job. You just got to keep upgrading levels, and it's like it doesn't matter if you pass level three. We're on level 10 now, kid. It's like the kid who plays COD all the all day every day, but is like a .8 KD. Like, no one's going to want to party with it, like being <laughs> a party with that guy. Like, you just put it into real-life circumstances, and it makes a lot of sense, right? Yeah. Like you have your friend that always, when he drinks, he drinks too much and he ends up getting into a bar fight. Like you're going to not want to hang out with him. It's almost like 
it's not the bar's fault for you getting kicked out or like it's not your friend's fault for not wanting to hang out with you it's almost like you have a you can't control yourself <laughs> but this is this is like what i'm trying to approach it from i have heard at nauseum people blame the entity rather than the like the compounding actions that have led up to the current life situation because i i was telling a friend this i'm like i think people get screwed in the moment but it's about what you do after you get screwed in the moment that ends up shaping how your life turns out yeah this is actually really topical for me right now i started i i rented from the public library because I decided I need to find some kind of way to create some artificial deadline for myself to read books more often. So I started, I got a library card and um, I'm reading Can't Hurt Me, David Goggins. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And one of the first challenges, he, he's like- I was 385 pounds and my dad beat me. Sorry. Yeah, it's exactly. Like opening line of the book, it's insane. Sorry. Yeah. Um, what was it about to say? So as he he goes through his memoir, there's these different challenges of like journaling things you do. And it kind of aligns pretty well with like the different chapters that you're reading as he's moving through his journey. And um, he goes through his whole childhood. And then the, I think it was like the first or second journaling challenge is like, just put out on a giant list, everything that you're carrying. Like, what are the things what did he call it? Like um, the bag, like the bad hand, like you're playing cards. Like what was the bad hand that you were dealt growing up? And like everything that's happened to you up until now, because it's okay to recognize that bad things have happened to you. You're sure. born into mm-hmm. shit situations or, you know, unfortunate things happen. that are outside of your control. Or maybe you even made mistakes with things that were inside of your control and they've compounded and snowballed and, you know, made you into a worse person. But that's in the past. You can put that down as a bad hand. but as soon as you got everything down, you got to be like, okay, well, that's it. There's no more of this, like, I'm going to let this thing keep living and ruining my life. Sure, it can play a part, and it's like, it's a process to dig out of that hole of that bad hand that you were dealt, but I think people get a little too lost in the whole idea of, like, yeah, you know, it's like the system, because obviously it's the system, but the system is also wearing us all down. And so what are we going to do? Are we as a collective all just going to get worn down by this? Or are we going to actually do something about it to better our lives? We don't live in a meritocracy is the way I think about it. We live in a society though, where there are sub meritocracies. And what I mean by that is a lot of people are getting screwed by the same thing. Now we can make the argument about obviously the rich, getting richer, the poor getting poorer. But I'm saying the people in those sub-segments that are relatively similar from like a how they got screwed standpoint, those people then all made different choices about how to react to getting screwed. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So I'm like, the rich people got screwed the least. The rich, you could say rich, the the rich old whites, if you want to like quantify it, classify it. Mm -hmm. And then like it gets worse and worse and worse. But then in those sub-segments like middle class, a lot of people have similar issues there. Like, okay, it is difficult maybe to get a job out of college, but like you manage to never hear the people who end up doing okay in their career, but didn't have an insane GPA or insane connections and stuff. They end up just not complaining about it because they end up reacting to the situation rather than complaining about it. 
Like if I hear one more person that I went to school with being like, oh, it's hard to get a job. I'm like, hey, uh, yeah, you aren't trying, you know, like it's like my, that's what I mean. Like we went to Loyola, it was a good school. If you don't have a job and it's in a business degree or something that's, you know, in demand, maybe your fault. Yeah. Like. I hear what you're saying. We all have battles within our own like class or within our own. Like, yes. Yes. Yeah. Because I'm trying to make that clear because I do not want to miss the fact that the battles I deal with are much less of a problem than the battles of those who grew up in a very impoverished area with a lot of socioeconomic and political factors weighing them down even more so. But even in the lowest tier of like, I am getting screwed over a lot by like food deserts, single parent household, all these cards are stacked against them, like what David Goggins said. There are people in those circumstances who still have gotten out of it. And I, I am only doing it to highlight the fact that irrespective of the situation, the only solution is your action. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just about that accountability. And it's just interesting how a lot of people, I don't know. like It's great that people can point to systemic issues because that is a big part of the discussion that was missing for a long time. Like I think our parents' generation and even sometimes like, I don't know, I guess we're, I mean, you're more of a millennial than I am, but even the millennials that I know uh-huh. in law school, people a few years older than you, mm-hmm. there's a few of them who are like very much on the side of like, oh, it's just by how hard you work. And it was missing from the dialogue that, we're starting at different places and like, you know, it's not just a meritocracy like we've just established. We live in a system that, you know, gives people different starting places, mm-hmm. but it's almost like, and this isn't, you know, this is a sweeping statement. I want to hedge you with the fact that some people don't think this way, but there are some people who have gone the completely opposite direction and just said, it is just the systemic evils and there's nothing that I can do. And it's, yeah. We have to be able to craft that balance between, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like the, it's the most basic thing of stoicism, but is the lesson that you have to continue getting better at and relearning is figuring out what's in your control and what is outside of your control. Mm. Like I had an epiphany in the shower the other day where I was like, I realized I'm really good at figuring out what's within my control because I'm a huge self-critic and I can be like, oh yeah, like this is on me. This is on my ass because I messed up. But I have a hard time getting things off my shoulders and telling myself that, yeah, maybe that was outside of my control. But in the same sense, I think we have to find this balance of like accountability and just recognizing outside evils that you can't fix. But there's just people who are on both ends of that spectrum and not enough people sitting in the middle who are like, yeah, you know, there's things that are affecting me, but I'm making the most of the situation. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great point. And it's a good epiphany you had. Like, I was telling my friend this as I was having this kind of conversation. Like, and I don't remember if I told you, like, Loyola screwed me out of $12,000 yeah. with the whole, right? But did I still make the decision to then go back to school? Yeah. Like, that was on me. Like, I made that decision. I did not have to. I could have just went to work. Like, that. that is real. You're able to acknowledge the fact that they, in fact, 
skirted the truth and then changed a rule when I pointed out that their their logic was flawed and how I was not getting at least getting paid the money for housing. So then I had to pay for housing. And that was where my my student loan debt comes from. But either I can A bitch and moan about it or B do something about it in order for me to not have the debt and then make it so that it was like a blip in life. That is yeah. what I think is is interesting though cuz I I do think If you'd like to continue listening to this conversation, you'll need to subscribe at riseproductive.com membership or on your favorite podcast app. Once you do, you'll get full length access to these episodes of the Rise Productive podcast, as well as access to our subscriber only podcast and newsletter, The Weekly Pour Over.